I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Patrick Ewing to my Sean Kemp. That's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? Uh, worse now that you're calling me Patrick Ewing over Sean Kemp. Like, that's Look, man, that's hurtful. I'm going to call anybody Sean Kemp. It's me. That's Sorry. fine, but then call me Gary Payton or something <laughs> instead. Like, <laughs> No, I was going the magic route. Gary Payton never played for the oh, Magic. Good call. So yeah. I just went with old, washed-up Magic players, which is us. We're I totally forgot about up. Sean Kemp playing for the Magic. So. Uh, yesterday, so this did come to mind because yesterday at my company Christmas party thing, um, you know Sean Fear? Mm-hmm. The, he was walking around. He had like, because he's very, you know, he wears very trendy clothing and stuff. I couldn't quite tell because he had multiple... Uh, he had like a jacket and a plaid or something over the t-shirt. The t-shirt was like an old faded Sean Kemp Rain Man graphic nice. tee from the 90s. I was like, oh man, we talked about we talked about Sean Kemp for a few minutes um, and that made me really happy. And then I started prepping for the episode and putting down all my notes and trying to think of who the open was. And I was like, I'll bum myself out by thinking about really fat Sean Kemp in the Orlando Magic u- uh, uniform. Um, mm. And that's where I wound up. Tobin, I have a very quick uh, trivia question for you. I looked this up. Patrick Ewing played played one season for the Magic. <laughs> what did he average? Points per game. What was his average in that Magic season? Oh, God. I, it couldn't have been over five, right? Like, <laughs> surely He ended not. at six, six points a game, almost on the dot. Uh, he only started four games. Did he actually really play the whole season? Too. Like, I can't even remember. It wasn't the whole season. I mean, it was like 50-ish games or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, six points per game, his final season. Gosh. Sean Kemp, how many points per game his final season? In oh, even Canada. less. Actually, a little more. I what? was surprised, and he he got some run. Like, he actually started some games. But, yeah, 6.8, not much more, but okay. seven-ish points a game. Um, that dude fell Inauspicious hard, man. ends for our I, – I know, I know. Some of my favorite – I mean, Patrick Ewing was somebody that I love-hated at times. Um, Kemp was like, that's, that's my guy. I love Sean I think Kemp if so I would have had – Twitter or like social media when Patrick Ewing or have been older when Patrick Ewing was playing, I would have uh-huh. loathed him. I think, I think he was the, he was the epitome of, <laughs> yeah. you know, like woe is me player that I would just not want to be around. But Chris Herring's book had a lot of good stuff on, yeah. on Ewing and it, it sort of, it made me, it sort of contextualized. Yeah. This is how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. And I was a Knicks fan because of, because I kind of had to be, uh, and yeah, it was great career. Don't get me wrong. Somebody who I really liked yeah. at times, but man, it was kind of a beating rooting. What was his guy. points per game in Seattle the year before? You it was under is. 10, I believe. Cause he started um, that whole year. He was a starter, the starting center on that team. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I would say it was under 10. Let's pull this up. Oh uh, yeah. Just under 9.6. Okay. Started all 79 games. I guess Paul Westfall so. couldn't get him going. <laughs> Maybe Jason Siegel can. So, just saying. I love looking at those old uh, the rosters from from teams like that, like random uh, random years in random team history, franchise history, or whatever. Uh, that was a fun. Peyton still getting twenty three points a game during that that year, which is nice. But then it kind of dropped off. Shard Lewis, Finn Baker, yeah. the great Ruben Patterson, not so great. Desmond Mason walks a hatchy zone. Desmond Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
All right, we're going to be talking uh, quite a bit today about the Orlando Magic. We did our our patented league pass viewing. Uh, we pick a team, we watch all the games from that 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 team plays during a given week, and then kind of gives us a a feel for what's going on with that team. We're going to get in here. We're going to talk about what we liked or didn't like. Uh, maybe some thoughts on the future for the Orlando Magic, et cetera, et cetera. That'll be the back half of the episode. We may get in a little Mavs time. Um, if we have time, we've got some, I want to gripe about referees for a minute. What? No, it's not you. my favorite thing to do. And um, we, we're going to talk Draymond. We're going to talk Draymond here in a minute. Very quickly, before we get into that, right before we went on the air tonight, this wasn't on our run sheet, um, the Bucks and the Pacers are feisty, Tobin. Mm-hmm. It's been, this was, this was exciting. Yeah, this Aaron, was exciting Aaron times. Smith did his best Draymond film today. So he must have been watching some Draymond film today, getting ready for tonight's game. He basically Man. tackled Giannis in what was it, the third quarter? I think so. I mean, look, I was at work, so I'm just only kind of following, and then Giannis explodes in the fourth quarter. Like he was having a good game, and then he scored either 24 or 28 points in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Got it up to 64. So that's a franchise Bucks franchise record. The previous record. The previous record was 57, Tobin, who had the previous record. I mean, it was Oscar. No, it was Oscar or Lou, or Lou Elsinder. You would think. It wasn't. It was Michael Red. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would have been up there in my top five guesses. Yeah. Okay. I love Michael Red. Lefty I guess Ray Shooter, Allen maybe best. could have possibly been up there. Yeah. Yeah. 57 for Michael Red. Uh, Giannis, Giannis beat. I was watching the end of this game. Um, Giannis gets to, gets to 58, then he gets to 60. Um, and then there's about a, yeah, there's about a couple minutes left and he just keeps going. <laughs> they came down on the next possession. He did not shoot on that possession. He passed out of it. Somebody on the bucks. I looked away. I'm sorry. Bad reporting. Somebody in the bucks cashed a three. So then the Pacers are like, well, cool. We're going to keep shooting too, which is good. I like that. They should keep shooting. I hate when we quit when there's a minute and a half left on the, on the game, just because it's out of reach. I hate it. Let's do it. They come down they shoot. Go back and forth. Giannis gets a steal. Or no, then the yet in the next possession, Giannis keeps going. He makes this pass out of a not real double team, cuts to the lane. Brooke Lopez hits him in the lane and he goes up for the dunk, gets fouled, two free throws. Then on the next possession, he gets a steal, comes down and throws down this like Tomahawk crazy jam. Pacers keep going back at him. It was exciting, man. It was fun. It was a fun way for this thing to end. There's there's clearly a little bit of bad blood um, b- based on the Pacers beating the Bucks in the in-season tournament. And uh, by the way, can we just, can, can you and I call it the Stern Cup? Can we not hey say man, the in-season the tournament The Pacers anymore? are the first Eastern Conference champion of the in-season tournament. So Of the Stern Cup. The Stern Cup. Yeah, what do we call the right, two conferences, uh-huh. though? Like, that's what we need to figure out. It's like, you know okay. how, like, yeah, like, you know how, like, they have yes, the Eastern God, Conference trophy and the Western thing. Conference uh-huh. trophy? Like, we got to call uh-huh. those something, too. Okay. So, uh, in the East is... The East is the Dominique Wilkins trophy, and the West is... Gotta be Charles Barkley, right? Phoenix Suns, okay. Charles Barkley. Sure. Teams that, that never... Me. Players that never won an actual title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so mean. Although Wilkins didn't even ever make it to a final. I'm sorry, so Wilkins and Barkley. That was a really unnecessary stray, so... <laughs> but we can't use Carl Malone, so we gotta use Barkley. <laughs> Yeah, that comes a different trophy that currently belongs in Oklahoma yeah, City. Yeah. It's weird. Um, the congratulations, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
we are going to talk thunder next week with our friend Ryan. And I'd promised that we would not talk about it. Let's get it out now. Yeah. Off court stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, we got to get done with it now. Clearly there's some bad blood from the, uh, from the Stern cup and, and Halliburton's Dame time celebration, which I love that, that Halliburton did that. And then I also love that that Giannis was like taken up for his guy and was like, I'm pissed off about this. And was like, I'm going to give you all the buckets. I love both of those things. And then what happened after the game, Tobin? You had the tweet. It was <laughs> something we, I mean, basically man, they fun times. So I actually been since uh, since we talked, it's it's come out. They they're explaining what's going on. <laughs> There's a video that once the clock hits zero, an assistant like runs through people to get to the referee grabs the game ball and then very, very hurriedly gets to the locker room, which, oh you know, upset the, the Greek family and because they uh-huh. wanted the great uh-huh. game ball. But as like literally two seconds ago, the initial, so this is from Chris Haynes. It says the initial explanation from one of member of Pacers to Bucks players as to why they took the game ball from Giannis is that they wanted to give it to a rookie who scored his first career basket Oscar Shibue, who, oh man, I'm so sorry to not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was the only rookie to register his first point. He made one free throw. So he gets the game ball. That's so bad. That's not even, that's (laughs) That's not real. That's not real. Like, (laughs) no, that's not real. They were just like, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll use this excuse. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. So it's, but it says that they were able to retrieve the game ball and give it to Giannis, which I, listen, I am all for both sides of this. I am all for Giannis Mm -hmm. taking in and rubbing, rubbing a regular season game in on these guys because they got chesty and I'm all for Uh the Pacers saying, screw you. I am going to take your game ball. And I I told you off the air, (laughs) the only thing that would have made it better is if like, I don't know, like Miles Turner just grabbed it and punted it into the third third you know deck of the stadium. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. I would have uh-huh. if if any Pacers player did that, I would have bought their jersey. <laughs> That's just <laughs> I love that kind of petty. That's Tobin's brand of petty. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. there's no reason to like I mean, like you can get mad. Like, yeah, both sides have grievances. <laughs> I that's great. But yeah, man bring on that kind of petty or I would have done like the other thing you could have done is like give him the game ball, but then like, you know, cut a really small hole in it. So it just gradually (laughs) deflates as he leaves the locker room and (laughs) and he can't ever air it back up. So I don't know. It's sociopathic. I know, but (laughs) I love this. I love, look, this is great. It's, it's, I wouldn't say that it was like wholesome. Giannis was ticked. I've never seen Giannis like that angry. He was running down the tunnel trying to get to him. Not that I think, I mean, he's not going to, I don't think Giannis is, he's not a, he's a, he's not, I don't think he's really a fighter, but, um, yeah, he was going after him and then Middleton and, and Lillard were talking to Halliburton and Lloyd Pierce and <laughs> Halliburton was doing like the, the Tim Duncan basically, like he was just putting his hands up saying, I didn't do any of this stuff. I don't know what y'all are even talking about. Uh, it was, it was entertaining and it's a freaking regular season game on December 13th. Um, I, I got to give that one to, to, I mean, I don't like to credit silver. I got to give that one to yeah. silver that, Hey, listen, that, that doesn't happen in, in, if, if not for the Stern cup would, and the yeah. season tournament and would all the stuff, bucks man. need to yeah. send the Pacers a message in December, middle December, right. any other no. year. No. And they, and they absolutely, they not. wanted yeah. to send a message and they did. And the Pacers wanted to get petty about it cause they were pissed and that's okay. <laughs> like it's like, this is good basketball. It's good for the league. It's yeah. good to have this kind of thing. Like, like you know, I, I'd rather not have 
you know, fighting and like punching and stuff, but like they, they had a little scuffle. They had, yeah. you know, even, and even back it up to the, the Stern cup in, in Tyrese Halliburton do his, doing his Dame time mock. Like, yeah, man, bring that kind of stuff on. Like mm-hmm. we need yeah. more WWE style taunting in the NBA, less, less fighting, less Draymond fighting, but right. more, more taunting. <laughs> sure. Right. Let's do it. I, yeah. We need more, we need a little more angst. Between the teams, just, just a, get little a little bit. too like, chummy in here. That bo- that's what you know. That's, that's yeah, what. Yeah, not uh, the kind of. St- and I don't. I don't Ron want Swanson that to be would like, say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to be like Charles Oakley kind of griping. You no. know, like in my day, we we hated each other, and I punched Jeff McKinnis in the yeah, face. Yeah, on the last enforcer. Like no, that- <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. But like, we can y'all can be friends. Y'all can go get dinner after the game. That's fine. I have no problem with all of this stuff. But I kind of like that there's just a little bit of of tension, a little bit of angst in freaking games in December. That's great. That's good for the league. Uh, so I, I dig that kind of stuff. I I dig I dig what Draymond did a lot less. Yep. <laughs> just yeah, that's not what we're talking about. But real quick before we move on to that, the Bucks have the Pacers again on New Year's Day. Yes, at home, yes. and then they have them. Let's go. Then they have them two days later. At Indiana, so they have them on a back-to-back, January first and January third. That might be that might be must-see TV. That that's gonna be great. Oh, and when neither, has neither one TV of them are been... national either. Dang, that stinks. <sighs> League pass, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when has a Milwaukee Indiana game in early January ever been must-see TV? I mean, this is great. This is great for the NBA. Seriously, big win for so we give silver. A lot of deserved credit or <laughs> crap. He gets a lot of credit for this. This was a major win, um, and I like I like that. There's a little pettiness. A little yeah, anger. I'm not even joking. It's, it's like good. I'm I'm gonna make time Same. to watch that game on yeah. on New Year's Day because that that yeah, could be a lot awesome. of fun. <laughs> be a lot of fun. Get a little fireworks. You're gonna have a lot of scoring because neither one of those teams yeah, man. can defend. Anybody. Giannis should go for um, seventy in that game. <laughs> Let's see it. Yeah. Let's see it. That'll be a blast. All right. So back to Draymond. That's what we that's what I interrupted you on. No, that's fine. Let's do it. So he is doing the opposite of angsty. And it seems to be getting a little bit too much. So the last fifteen he's had fifteen games this year. He's had three ejections. He's been suspended for for five games already for the that was the Rudy Gobert one, right? I have to like clarify. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. <laughs> placing Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. He missed two games for injury and one for personal reasons. And then if you have not been paying attention and because you're not an actual NBA fan, and for some reason this is you've stumbled on this podcast, uh Draymond has was playing the Suns last night in the in the national game. And I don't know, like completely unprovoked, Nurkic was just posting him up. Or sorry, Draymond was posting Nurkic up. And I, d- I looked at the video a couple times. I didn't see any like slip of a hand or anything. And he kind of bodies him. And then all of a sudden, Draymond just flips around and lands a haymaker right on Nurkic's like side of his head. He immediately drops to the ground. And like, if you don't know, Nurkic is a giant dude. He doesn't just fall to the ground. It did not seem like he was selling a foul call. He did stay on the ground for a very long time. This yeah, was he got clocked, yeah, and this dude. was yeah. so like like weird weirdly it was just weird it was it was such a a weird reaction that the own warriors players did you see the video of the guy like right in front of it i couldn't i couldn't tell who it was and i didn't look that hard somebody on the warriors bench immediately threw up his hands like what the heck are you doing like he immediately threw up his hands and so i guess 
this is today, like literally tonight, it came out that he is going to be suspended indefinitely for um, conduct detrimental to his situation. And he has to show that he is mentally right and deal with some things before he is going to be allowed to be reinstated by the league. This is, this is not new. John Morant was suspended indefinitely last year before he got his actual suspension of 25 plus games. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is, this is not something that silvers like hasn't done before, but I guess Brian, some initial thoughts. And then what do you end up, what do you think that it ends up being from there? Like from the suspension? I mean, I love Draymond. I've, I've, I've I've waved the towel for him pretty hard over the years, knowing that he's a kind of that he's a loose cannon. You never totally know what's going to happen from him. Um, I just I, I love I love a lot of what he does. I hate some other stuff that he does. I don't I you know I don't, I don't I've never I don't think I don't think I've ever um, come in here and and defended his his clown stuff. Um, but he's the best defender of this this era, at least as far as big men go, or sort of big men go. He what he does to unlock that offense is is unbelievable. And as we've said many times, the Warriors hit at the perfect time for us personally because the Mavs were not they, they were not a threat to our team because the Mavs sucked. And so we got to watch the Warriors in a way that a lot of other fans didn't because we could just be like, man, this is kind of gr- this is just beautiful, great basketball. And it doesn't matter to me because my team's awful, you know. I really dig Draymond. There's been so many things that he's done. You're like, what What are you doing, dude? What are you doing? And I know that that's part of his, I think, I know that part of his deal is just sort of straddling the line. And that you kind of, for him, like Rasil, on Rasillo's pod today, he was talking about when he he interviewed Draymond at the all-star break a few years ago and kind of asked him that basically like asked him, you know, do you ever, do you ever feel like you've crossed the line? Do you ever regret, you know, the way you have crossed the line, like things like that. And he basically just said, of course not, because, because that's how he, that's how he got to where he is. He lives in this space that if you're, if he's not, if he's not just about to put a toe over the line, then he doesn't have the, the juice, you know? And, the hard, the tough thing with that is that number one, you you you're gonna cross the line, and every time you do it, you're gonna you're gonna get in bigger and bigger in trouble. And number two, it doesn't age well. I think that's the the key yeah. to all of this. Um, there's no defense for anything that he's done. I mean, in the last like 15 ish months, he punched his own teammate in the face during practice. We know what happened with Jordan Poole there. I I. I think that that is. I'm not going to tell. I'm, I'm not going to say that that is an overrated thing that he, or like the reaction to that was was over the top. It's it's obviously an awful. It's a stupid, inappropriate thing to do. I do think that stuff like that probably happens a lot more than people want to acknowledge or maybe want to understand. And Jordan Poole was running his mouth, and I'm not defending that. I'm just saying. I think there were, I don't even know if mitigating circumstances is the right term, but there were, you know, look, you know, you mess around, you find out. Um, Then he has the stomp on Sabonis in the playoffs last year. And then he comes into this season and you have, I mean, how long ago was the Gobert thing? Like less than a month, right? Or uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's only (laughs) been back for like a handful of games. 
And that is one of the most unhinged things that I've ever seen on a basketball court, truly. Like, I don't... There's no defense for any of that. You can't even say... You can't even say, like, heat of the moment, hey, I got kind of... I got hit and I just, like, saw red, you know? He comes from out of nowhere to tackle and choke out a guy who wasn't really involved in the, the fray, even. It was very weird and seemed like is this guy okay? And then, you know, a few games later we have this, that's the worst. I know we're not calling it a punch because he had an open hand that I'm going to call it a punch. That's the worst punch I've seen on a basketball court in a, in a long time. I mean, like that was, I don't even think I'm not even buying the whole, it was open palm. Like it just, he just hit him with his wrist is what it, he didn't connect as fully as he probably could have. Like it, it, he see, he played the whole, like I was trying to sell the, sell the foul. There's no world where, that motion needs to be how you sell a foul, no matter if you are trying to like, like, so one, I don't buy that. And two, if that truly is true, that's mm-hmm. incredibly dangerous to sell a foul that way. Like if that's yes. what you think no, you're doing. That's a lie. Yeah. Of course yeah, it's a that, lie. That's a cover, but it's just, that's a it's cover. just, yeah, a bad cover too. I mean, you know, Rosillo also said in that same podcast that, you know, it, it's in 2016 that, it was okay because he also won you games, but Hey, guess what? He's not winning the games right now. If anything, he's, mm-hmm. he's yeah. hurting them and there are two and three when he's not playing in, in the suspended games. So it's just, they just gave him a new contract. They're going to have to make decisions on clay soon. And it sounds like they may have already made a decision on him. Like, right. At what point do you just say, okay, we've had enough of this. And I, I don't want to speculate, but there's obviously now there's, all these people coming out and saying that something's not right. Something's not right. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, I hope, man, if he, if there's something not right, I hope that he gets the help he needs in, in this time. I really do. Like mental health is important. Take care of yourself. Right. Right. Um, and it doesn't excuse the things that have happened, but it definitely can, it can explain it and, you know, more, but also he's been doing this stuff forever. And so the difference now is that they are not winning and they look bad and he looks bad, but there's, mm-hmm. there's a point where, like you have to like you have to adapt either you adapt to hey i'm not as good as i used to be and this is what i need to do to differently to make myself more efficient and instead he's just doubled down on the i'm going to be the cantankerous guy that gets people riled up but i'm going to take it to the next level because my game can't hang anymore and that's just what it tur- turned into mhm yeah that's Nurk saying after the game, essentially, I hope he gets the help he needs. It, it just, you're right. I, I, I don't, I don't want to speculate. I don't mean to speculate. It just, cause he's not the only one that's, that's saying similar things like that. And so it comes across as there's a poorly kept secret that a lot of people know about that hasn't been reported on yet and hasn't made it to the public. And maybe there's a reason for that. And and maybe there's not, I, I, I don't know, but it definitely comes across like, hey, this guy, like, there's some stuff happening. Whatever that stuff may be, there's something going on. We we don't know, so we just kind of have to look at it as face value uh, and, and say he does have a history of when he feel when it's clear that he doesn't feel like his team is, is in it, he just quits. He does weird stuff and finds ways to get himself out of, you know, that season when, when Steph went down early in the season, um the bubble season was turned out to be the bubble season. He, he, compl- I mean, he just, he quit on the team. He just full on quit. 
uh, the year where, you know, Clay's injured and they know they're not going to be, you know, totally successful. I guess that was the same. Regardless, he comes back, he comes back out of shape. He doesn't really try. There's no effort there, all this kind of stuff. It, it feels like he's, he's looking at this team. He knows that this is not, this is, this team's dead. This team's over. I know nobody, you, you, people don't want to say that because the Warriors are the Warriors and, they sure have. Des- they've earned the 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 respect, and um, they've earned that Spurs thing of like I'm not saying it's over until yeah. I actually see that it's over. It we're seeing that it's over. It is over. This is done. He knows that better than we do, and and it's like when it's the second for somebody who who already like mega walks this line and and you know frequently crosses over and and maybe lives on the other side of that line. The second that he knows that he, I'm not winning anything here, then it, he becomes like Ron Artest. I mean, this is Ron Artest stuff. Yeah. This is, this is better world peace level of, is that guy okay? What is happening? He is actually detrimental to, he's certainly detrimental to his own team at this point, but he's also like legitimately dangerous to be on the court with. That was, again, that was, that was, that's the worst punch I've seen on the court in a, in a really long time. Yeah. We've seen more dangerous plays probably with, you know, like Grayson Allen last year, whatever. And, and, um, Andrew Bynum against JJ Beret. I think of like, there have been maybe more dangerous, uh, actions taken, but as far as like actually throwing a punch, I can't remember the last time I saw one like that. That was a, that was a huge thing. So, indefinitely to me you said immediately i sent you the video we were talking about it last night you said immediately for me that's 10 games minimum and i i'm with you it won't be but it should we be. know where seal silver falls on stuff but i i have to believe if 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 the choke out on rudy's is five games and that was i don't know eight games ago or whatever as far as him actually playing and he's out there doing this stuff again 10 is the minimum and, and that starts to, that feels low to me if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, what's probably going to happen because he's going to save face is that he's going to say that he doesn't, he needs to get himself figured out and he'll probably say, I'm not coming back until X games or whatever. And you know, that kind of thing. But you know, like you, you said this, like the warriors feel over the difference is, is that like when the heat and the, to some extent, the Spurs, they had a team mentality that won them games. And like, they, 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 they have a, like, I don't, I hate the word use the word culture, but they have a culture that, that lets them kind of fight through some of those things that Mm -hmm. we would usually count a team out with. It seems like the Mm -hmm. warriors, like obviously they have, they have the pedigree, they have the things that we should trust and believe them in, but, but they also, it's, it feels different with them because it feels like they have a bunch of players who are breaking down physically and mentally and then they have Steph Curry. Like so I'm looking at their salary schedule, okay? Uh Steph Curry has two more years after this year at 55 and 59 million dollars. Klay Thompson's off the books after this year. And there was a report mm-hmm. this week that he has not been offered anything and they're now I think they're probably weighing do we even offer him something. Chris Paul has a 30 million dollar left on the books after this year. Uh Wiggins, my gosh. Wiggins has three more years after this year at 26, 28 and 30, which is not Horrible money wise, but like gosh, uh, but Draymond mm-hmm. just signed started this deal. He has three more years after this year, and and has a player option at the end, um, and then just a bunch of random contracts. Like they they're gonna have to do something, and they're gonna have to eat some money if they're gonna be able to retool with these with Curry. I mean, there's no world that Curry 
comes back to this team if they don't do something different in two, after his free agency in two years, if he's even still mm-hmm. on the team at that point. Like, there's no, they're going to have to change something. Like, it's, 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 yeah. They need to pull the ripcord, in my opinion, now. Like, I, like, I'd almost, I told you this last night on the phone. Like, I almost think that you, you might be close to saying, hey, we're going to call, we're going to say you have a shoulder injury, Draymond, and then we're going to find a trade spot for you, you know, sometime before the trade deadline and just see, because like, they're not bringing Clay back. That's, that, that seems to be more and more apparent. And right. I just don't, I don't know what you do with this team otherwise. I want to talk more Warriors. Yeah, we, that's not what we're here today. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but let, maybe next oh. week that's part of our, our discussion because I, I'm with you. This feels to me like – it feels to me – I've watched a lot of Warriors this season, and it does it, it, it feels like a team that is on the verge of death, and this just, like, sent them over the yeah. edge. This, sent them, the, this, this is going to escalate the timeline on we cannot continue. Yeah. You know – there's look, they're hanging out around the play-in. We know how great Steph is. Some of these other guys, like Andrew Wiggins, it's it, it feels impossible that he can continue to be as bad as he has been this season. He is awful this yeah. year. Kerr is finally starting to like be less stubborn about some of the the guys that he's playing and stuff. So all that to say, yeah, they're sitting somewhere around the play-in, but you had to have felt like there's got to be a kind of a, even without like a major move, there's, there is going to be some sort of last breath here. We're going to really push for something. And then, you know, really all you got to do when you have Steph Curry is be in the plane and you're super dangerous and see what happens. This changes that this, this has to change the thinking and the mentality. You've got to expect that. And because we, we also know this too, like their defense only works when Draymond Green is mm-hmm. playing. That's the thing that killers like as bad as he has been this year, especially offensively. And as much as it looks like he's, he's, he's kind of, I mean, it's, you know, it's going downhill fast. He still impacts their defense in a significant way. And he still runs that short roll. So, I mean, better than anybody in the league just about. And so if he's going to be out for 10 plus games, that changes what you, what, you know, the way you're thinking about this sort of stuff. And then if he comes back, I mean, you mentioned at the, at the front of this, like, the player who's like super frustrated with mm-hmm. him when he sits down on the bench after that, he's sitting between Kaminga and somebody else. I can't, I can't remember. And they, they're both, both of them are like a full half seat away from him. Like they're scooched over as far as they could. And I could see Kaminga's face better than the other guy. And Kaminga looked so done with this. And so even if he comes back, like how do you, how can you trust a person who is routinely finding ways to get himself out of games and not to mention like, uh, I think, Oh, maybe it was Pelton. I don't remember. One of the pods I was listening to do today said that, um, he's now up on, (laughs) he's up on his flagrant points so much that if every time he commits a flagrant foul, he gets suspended for a game for the rest of the season. Like you think Draymond's going to not do five more flagrant fouls this year. Even if we're not talking about like crazy, dirty flagrant fouls, like that's, it's he's he's become a liability. He's he's not dependable, and that has to change the way they they move forward for the rest of for, between now and the trade deadline. It has to. Yeah, it just has to. Um, well, speaking so, I don't know, speaking it, of moving forward, let's talk about two teams that have come out this week and said that it has some. They're having some moving time. So the new OKC Arena has officially been approved in one of the most drawn out political 
landscape <laughs> things I don't even understand. So I have no clue why mm. it was drawn out or if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it has been officially stamped and approved. And it came out yesterday that Ted Leonis is moving the Wizards and the Capitals Boo. to Northern Virginia, which is basically the same thing as DC, but everybody's freaking out about it. Apparently, but out of a cat, out of a city, out of a real population. I mean, know, sucks. But I mean, listen, it, I kind of get it. <laughs> it's not good, like, but like in that situation, like it's just a, it's it's like the same thing as like the Dallas Cowboys being in Arlington, but they're not actually in they're not, or they're actually in Dallas, they're in Arlington. That's got to be the same, right? Like, what's the distance from Northern Virginia? <sighs> I just, I think it's bad when teams leave downtowns. I think it's bad. I think it messes with. That's probably true. I think it, I think it destroys culture. I think it, 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 it strips <coughs> a, an area of its identity. Um, and it always is, you know, it's always white people stuff, you know, that's fair. always, yeah. always. And I hate and that. Ted and Ted Leonis is not a good person. So that, that helps. Yeah, Ted Leonis sucks. And also their arena is not old. Their arena, I think is 20. It's less than 25 years old. Like, I just, I don't have a lot to say on this because I haven't even, I haven't gotten dug into it too much, but I know that this is the trend, but it's a bad trend. It just, it sucks. The Mavs announced that like where their new arena is going to be with the new owner is also. That's still kind of Dallas. Where, no, it's Irving, but also it's like the worst area to try to get to for literally everybody. Literally yes, everybody. Like, it takes us an hour. If you and I want to go to a Mavs game, it takes us about an hour to get there, and that's fine. But if you live in Dallas, it takes you five minutes. <laughs> this is going to be, it's going to take 45 minutes for everybody, and it's just, it's bad. I And and leaving, leaving downtown D.C. sucks. I know that the Wizards have, like, no history in our lifetime, literally, but still... There's something special about downtown oh, arenas, okay. ballparks, stadiums, et cetera, okay. and that no longer ex- will exist. So that Ted Leonis, I don't know what Ted Leonis's net worth is, but it's a lot, and now it will be more. So, like, so cool. I just looked it up. Awesome. This okay. This is literally five miles away. It's 15 minutes away. No, but till, but downtown is different. It's right like next that, to Reagan people Airport. Who live like people who live in downtown DC are not getting to that game to those games. Full stop. Like it's not happening. I've never been to DC, so I, I'll take your word for it. I, I I don't. I've never been there. I don't You're, know what it's like. I know that it's a lot of walking. That's all, that's all I know. This is. I mean, the deal is, it's you're you're changing the demographic of who can come to your game. That's what that's what this is all about. Is I that's mean, fair. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're 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 cater. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's different than the Warriors and that the Warriors moved further away, but it is the same deal. Of like, we want to get out of Oakland. We want to get to rich people town. And that's, I mean, that's what's happening. I don't know. I, in some ways I'm just resigned to like, this is how it works. So whatever, but it does suck. And, and I, I, we are heading towards a future where there are no downtown arenas, ballparks and stadiums. And it is sucks. right next it's to not, the Arlington national cemetery. That's, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Odd stuff. We'll talk more thunder. I think next week when, when our buddy Ryan comes on. Um, so we can, maybe we can get yeah. some details on. on I have no clue how that process works. Yeah. Yeah. Can I grab about the refs for just I'll give one you minute, five generally. minutes? I'll give you five minutes because I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna short listener. That. I'm gonna go. You need to understand less. the reason why I'm giving him a time limit is because the, most of my text interactions with Brian have to do with referees <laughs> or umpires. So, yes, 
You're not um, wrong though. Did you <laughs> did you see the the Jokic? I did. Ejection? I did. Did you see all the people literally quote tweeting the actual bylaw in uh-huh. the thing saying that they're allowed to cuss at referees? <laughs> uh-huh. And blaspheme yeah. too, which is I did find Brad comment on that and I thought I found that funny too that that's in that's in. The, yeah, I would love to know. What I said was like, but the blasphemy can't be against David Stern. That's yeah, I would love about. to know, like, what is the, ex- like, according to the, the bylaws, what is the, the limit of cusses you can say before it crosses over <laughs> into excessive? Because I want to have it down to a science. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Look, he deserved a technical foul. Like, Let's be real. He's Jokic for all the yeah, crap absolutely. that 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 our guy Luca gets. That there's a lot of guys that get the that get the uh, the the moniker, and it's it's because I mean Luca Trey. It's because they look whiny when they when they gripe. Uh, Jokic does not look whiny. He looks, he looks uh, terrifying <laughs> and like menacing. You know, um, like the one time he chased down has, the referee when he made a bad call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That dude has more gripes to the ref. I mean, he is he is maybe leads the He's league in that. He leads the league in in points, rebounds, and and assists or total total points, rebounds, assists, and gripes at referees. Um, and you know we've seen his anger boil over. He deserved a technical foul for that. He and and even without knowing exactly what he said, you know what he said. And then after the game, we found out exactly what he said. You get a technical foul for that. Yeah. The one technical ejection is fireable to me. Every any referee, I've seen that every once in a while. It doesn't happen a lot. Thank thank goodness. Anytime that happens, unless the referee can be can prove that the player said, "I'm going to murder your mom <laughs> after this," or something something hey, to that's that not nature. excessive though. So, <laughs> according to the bylaws, that is not excessive. Yeah, you get you get fired for this for this kind of crap. I. Hate it. You're leaving out the best so detail about this too. Is that it was <laughs> Serbian night? Serbian night, <laughs> and the big Serbian was immediately removed from Serbian night. So, way to, way to go, referees! Just <laughs> truly, truly awful stuff. If, um, if you're that upset got... about people calling you an mf'er, you're in the wrong business, man. Like that's my hundred percent, hundred percent. I tried to look up today to see exactly. How much this guy makes per year? It's more than and you I can. couldn't get a figure. Well, look the the minimum uh, the minimum payment for yearly salary for an NBA referee is 150k. Not worth it. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> Some of these guys are getting made are like like the like Scott Foster is making five hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, which is I don't know uh, five hundred. <laughs> but how many years has Scott probably, Foster been doing this? Like seventy. I know, so, <laughs> I know. Like the int- an entry level referee gets paid a quarter that is of a million not dollars. Worth it? I would. I would not. I would agree with you, but like you're getting paid a decent amount of money, and you that know is what you signed up for. Part of that deal is you have to have thick skin. Sorry, man, you got to have thick skin. It's totally acceptable to give a technical foul in that situation. The one technical ejection, like I said, that's fireable. You should be thrown out Can- of the league. You should. That, like that's that's insane. That's an insane thing. And then we got a taste of it the same night with the Mavs. I mean, it didn't turn into an ejection. Tim Hardaway Jr. got a technical foul for hanging on the rim when Anthony Davis was under his body. Like, Anthony Davis was still under him, and somehow he got a technical foul for hanging on the rim in a game that, by the way, was 
a one, like a two point game, like a yeah. one possession game. These things matter. And down the stretch, last forty seconds of the game, <laughs> of that game, tip pass or a tip tip uh, ball. LeBron's close to the rim, gets gets the ball knocked away. The ball flies out. It lands on a, a Mavs foot, I think lively, or it was like his leg. It wasn't even really his foot. It's a loose ball, so it cannot be a kickball, number one. Number two, it <laughs> it cannot be called that from this direction. They give the ball over, and then he doubles up. It, by the way, this hand happens literally right in front of the referee. Like, the referee was three feet away from this. And then he doubles up by giving Luca a technical foul in this. And to your point, you were griping at me about this. Luca needs to shut up. I got to defend him on that. There's a lot of technical fouls that Luca gets. I'm like, dude, shut up. That was one is like, this is a major call in a game right down at the very end of the game. And you are right freaking there. How are you missing this so badly? How are you missing this so badly? So I got to defend him on that technical foul. Lots of bad stuff with so, these refs. And then when we were watching them, I was watching the Magic game um, when they were playing the Cavs. And the same thing is like George Neyang, who deserves all the technical fouls. That dude's dirty and he gripes and he's a whiner and all this sort of stuff. Got knocked down. It was a bad call. He did or, or a bad missed call. He got fouled. He's laying on the ground and he gives like the come on, man, kind of thing. Maybe he said the magic words too. I don't know. It was a very innocuous play. He ends up getting a technical foul too in a close game. And it's just like... <sighs> Come on, guys! Like we just MLB umps have done just, this lately too. It seems like as a oh, whole, sure. yeah. you know, I I I have two things. One, my fix for the Tim Hardaway technical is no more technicals for hanging on the rim ever, like ever. Yeah, that should not be a thing unless it's like a you got to swing swing twice or no, something. I don't even think you do least. that. Yeah. If a guy comes off the rim after hanging on it, hits a guy and yells in his face, then that's a technical foul. <laughs> If someone's right, hanging right. on the rim, it, it, there's too much gray area with that. Because, like, yeah, Tim Hardaway was excited. He just had to dunk through traffic. But he also was trying to avoid running into somebody. Like, I can't – there's no – like, in that case, there's no world that he – like, he should have got – he wasn't even on the rim that long. No. But, like, there's no. – there needs to be a black and white with that. So the black and white is we're not calling technicals for that anymore. Just fix – that's that's it. Just do that. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I just <laughs> – if he had released on the swing through, he would have fallen on Anthony Davis. Which I'm, I'm okay with and that. And both of actually, them would have died. Anthony Davis would have died, and Tim Hardaway would have been out of the game. You know, it, it's like, come on. Yeah. Man. Like, this is, it wasn't even hanging on the rim, even if there wasn't no. a body underneath him. That's how bad that, that, that call was. And just like, come on. What are we also, what are we with the way here? that the, the league has gotten so European, and I've said this about Luca, like, just cuss in your language. <laughs> Like, like <laughs> I think some of them know know those words now. That's though. probably the true. They're the probably words. studying yeah. Serbian cuss words. Right. And, but I agree. Say all that stuff in Slovenian. That's a that's a or better just point. do like what DK Metcalf does and start learning sign language and just you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that might be, might be that's probably Luca. true. I don't, I don't know that I want him learning <laughs> sign language. He might go to that a lot. Um, yeah, I just I it, I it like feels that. like. I really do feel like social media has made this worse in a lot of ways, especially for referees and umpires, because like, you know, 10 years ago, we don't have the TikToks that show us every single strike call that an umpire misses. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. Yeah. I think that that twofold is one, it makes us way more aware than we should be about that kind of stuff. But two, it makes them aware that we're tired of their crap and then they get pissy and, and proud and they start then they double down and they become awful they become you know angel hernandez's and scott foster's and sure 
you know, and I just think that there's a lot of that in it's, it really is, it's hard cause like they're unionized too. So you can't exactly just be like, and you're fired because you suck, you know? And like, and right. so I, I, it's right. just a lot. Like I just, I don't understand like it, it, the, the NBA officials the last couple of years seen, they get, they're getting quicker and quicker with technicals and one technical ejections. It's just not necessary. Also, like we didn't talk about this last week, but like the double text are stupid. Get rid of those completely too. Yeah. So dumb. At the very least, a double technical shouldn't count towards, count the count. towards yeah. your technical count for the year. Like it just, I don't know. Luca got one against. It was the Jazz. Oh, the Jazz. The Jazz in a freaking fifty-point blowout. He got one because he scored a bucket on Chris Dunn, and Chris Dunn came and literally put his his finger in Luca's nose. And like, Luca smiled at him and got a tech. And Luca smiled at him. He got a te- double technical. Well, he guess what? He's gonna get suspended somewhere down. And you can say it's not because of that one. It's because of all these others. I agree. It shouldn't be on the record. It doesn't. He did nothing. He did nothing. And that happens. That happens in every other game. I would say half of the time that there's a technical foul or a double technical that's given out, at least one party in the in that little double, maybe both of them have have to be like, dude, come on, I do not deserve a yeah, technical foul sure. here. This is, it's just dumb. It's just dumb, and it's e- these things are easy to fix. You can't fix that the refs are going to miss calls. We get it. It's fine. They're human. Even some of the technicals, you can you can say like, hey, that's a really crappy call. What are you doing here? There has to be some follow up, and they got to start making it public. Of like, hey, he's suspended for a game. That ref in the in the, the that ejected Jokic, he's suspended without pay for two games. We're gonna start taking this seriously. We've got to do something to make it better. And if you can't handle this, then you, you I'm sorry, then you don't get to ref games. Yeah, like, and I don't think they should the do that for, for missed calls, like necessarily because like yeah, yeah, because totally, that happens. Totally. But like yeah, if they're if they let their emotions get the best of them and they give out. Stuff Agreed. like that, then yeah, they should right. be like like a player yeah. like Draymond Green's about got suspended for his emotions getting the best of him. So yeah, mm-hmm. totally with right, it. totally, totally. Let's let's get maps time. Other than to say the next ten games are going to be huge. They're they've won four in a row. They're fifteen and eight. That's currently the three seed in the West. They've got they've had kind of a soft schedule, but they've also had a ton of injuries. Um, the next ten games. You get Minnesota twice. You've got the Lakers once. You've got the Suns once. You've got the Cavs, who are just a terrible matchup for the Mavs, even when they're not particularly good. I'd be thrilled at five, if they could go 5-5 five and five in this 10-game stretch, Tobin. Even mm-hmm. with the injuries, you could even talk me into feeling like 4-6 and six is not awful at this point. But the point is, they, they've done a great job to this point of just um, of stacking up wins against bad teams so that you have a little bit of margin for going through a bad stretch if they go through a bad stretch. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, let's finish our episode. Uh, let's talk about the Orlando magic Tobin. Yeah. Can we talk about how we picked the week that they played the Cavaliers twice? And that was really, I know kind of a bummer. I, know. I was bummed about that. But then once I watched the games, as I was watching the games, I was like, actually, this was kind of cool. Cause we got, you kind of got a glimpse at, so they played the Cavs twice, once at home, once on the road, and they played the Pistons oh, at home. Or Pistons. And that kind of gave you a, actually you get in that two that three game stretch, we got a loss where nothing went right really. You got a win where they played the worst team in basketball, maybe the worst team in basketball history. And then you got like a that last Cavs game was like a really I think a solid example of like this is what this team can do when things are, are going Speaking well. Of, this is what they do well. We mentioned it last week, but that that losing streaks up to twenty. So what is 21. it now? 20, <laughs> 21. Jazz, jazz on, on number 25. Jazz, by the way, beat mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. who'd they beat tonight? 
I was watching. Yeah, they lost tonight. The Pistons lost tonight to the to the Sixers. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, you're right. But okay, so let's talk about them. They are 16 and seven before today. So I think they're 17 and seven now. Or no, did they play today? I can't tell. No, Magic didn't play today. today. No. So 16 and seven. They are second in the East, first in the Southwest Division. We watched them lose to the Cavs, win to the Pistons, and win against the Cavs. They are 17th in offensive rating, but third in defensive rating. That means they are fifth in net rating and tenth in pace. Um, basically, all of their stats are defensive held, and they are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Uh, in field goals, what is it? Yeah, in field goals, shot three-point field goals, shot and made. So they are not great, but they are what is it? Number one in opposing field goal attempts. Number one in uh, personal what was it? Personal fouls and mm-hmm. number six in three-point attempts. So basically, they are doing everything right defensively. Mediocre on offense. What? What's your before we get into the games? What's your initial assessment of? like them overall so far. Super fun team. Um, I like, they got a lot of likable guys and then also Mo Wagner who I hate, but the rest of the team, how do you feel about Franz? It's pretty likable. <laughs> I like Franz now. I've kind of, I, I went back and forth on Franz a little bit. Uh, I like him. I like him. I don't like Mo. I, I don't think anybody I, likes Mo. I hope I'm Mo sure has diarrhea. Most parents like Mo. <laughs> I think Mo... I have a theory. Franz is definitely the golden just, child. Like, there's no doubt that he is yes, the child. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Actually, it's an Andy Bernard situation where uh, <laughs> yes. Fra- their dad is named Franz, and they... <laughs> yeah, actually, they ch- used to be a junior. They changed Mo's name after. <laughs> Franz just That's fit so better. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a theory that I just hatched that actually the problem for Mo is that he has, he's had hemorrhoids for eight years and he's just, he's, he's angry and I get it. I understand. Um, yeah, a lot of likable guys. Um, they, they're, they're really fun. There's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, a lot of ego. I, you know, we can get into the Paolo, uh, Franz pairing and how it works just in terms of like sharing the ball and, and, and working off of each other and stuff like that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but the, but they do seem like, like they are um, relatively ego free and it's, it's a fun, like free moving kind of young roster. You kind of, you love to see that stuff. They hustle a lot, but they don't come across to me at least as a, as like a try hard team. Um, except for Suggs. Suggs is definitely a try hard guy. Um, and then like, you know, I'm not sure their defense is quite as good as it looks on paper. And a, a good example of that was Mitchell and, and Garland both just carved them up in in the first Cleveland game. But they that was but without they, Suggs. But the defensive part of that though is that they figured it out for the second game, kind of. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Um they game planned you know, better coming off of that loss for the for the second one. So here here's this, this is a little bit of game stuff, not general thought, but here, this is my deal. So the first game, Suggs got hurt. I thought he tore his Achilles. The way he came down, it was really, it was really bad. And ended up he was fine. He only missed a game and a half. Um, he left the game and they couldn't do anything defensively against against Cleveland's guards. And so I wanted to just write it off as like, well, you know, he's got but also Mitchell cooked him in the first mm-hmm. quarter of that first mm-hmm. game. 
But then in hindsight, I was like, no, Mitchell just made threes. And that's the thing that Mitchell does mm-hmm. sometimes. It's like, you can't take away his three-pointer. It just depends on is he is he going to make them, you know? You can you can challenge him. You can do the Dorian thing. Dorian was always great at, uh, at making him shoot over him, even when he got the shake going and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you really can't stop him from getting 15 three attempts a game if he wants to, you know, it's, it's anyway, second game. Yeah. You saw that from Suggs. He, he did a great job against Mitchell and it, it made a difference. Um, but they are, they're really well disciplined on that, on the defensive end and on the, on the offensive end. It's just, I don't know. To me, it looks like, it looks like they're mostly just kind of running a motion offense, which is what most teams in the NBA do, but there's especially, because they don't really have a point guard right now and they don't have shooters at all. There's no shooting on this team. Um, I think they're 30th in attempts and 26th in, in percentage. And that shows in a game. And so they don't, they don't consistently get easy buckets in the half court, but they've got a couple of guys who can grind out buckets too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an interesting combination um, on, on that side of the court. What about you? What did you, what did you see watching? Yeah. These, you know, excuse me. I think that the, the like I said, they did a good job of like that. You're right; they got smoked by the guards in Cleveland. And I, to me, it was like in given. I watched this all in like a 48 hour period, so it was kind of like it was mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. for me to notice that right off the bat. But it's cool that they 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 adjusted well, um, and you know took care of business because a team they needed to be they needed to win. They were down early, you know, because they just don't have any shooting and it went out, but they, they ended up coming back. And that, that was that kind of, that's the kind of resiliency you see. They remind me a lot of last year's Sacramento, like a defensive version of last year's Sacramento, Sacramento mm-hmm. team of a team that mm-hmm. you don't really trust them. They have no really, des- you know, they have no business being as good as they are right now, but they also have all the right to be, you know, confident about the way they're playing. Uh, Paolo looks like he's kind of, doing a good job of fitting fitting in his his year this year um i do think they are a piece or two short of being a playoff threat mm. necessarily mm-hmm. um not a they're not they're not even close to championship contender but like it to be a threat right. for a first round win i think they're a piece short of that probably um i think that there's a couple of veterans coming off the bench that could maybe be giving them a little bit more than they are but i also think that's the trade bait to um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun team. It's like, I like seeing what Mosley's doing with them. Um, yeah. And just, I, I kind of hope that they keep that, that ride essentially, essentially, because the cool thing about them is that last year with the Kings, it was, oh man, that's good, but they're not gonna be able to hang. They're not gonna be able to stay there. And they did in a Western mm-hmm. conference. That's mm-hmm. really tough. If the magic can stay consistent, in a down Eastern conference, they could really like set themselves up well for the playoffs. And so it could be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, what, okay. So what, what do you, let's do this. What's something that you liked about the team? Like, give me like one generic thing that would, that you liked as you watched them this week. I love their defense. Um, again, I, I'm not sure it's what were they third? Is that their? I guess it could be a yeah, their fifth, third. I guess third. it could be a player yeah. too. Like, let's do that. Let's let's say a player or a sure. thing. Like, what, what's something that you like? Like, give me some generic like likes that you have. I really love Paolo. Um, I was, I mean, sh- I mean, he dropped 42 right, right against right. the Cavs, right? Yeah, he had 42 in that first game against the Cavs. I almost was more impressed by the second game against the Cavs because he couldn't get anything yeah. going. 
and they were clearly very focused on not letting him get going. Um, and he still, I think ended up with 22 or something like that. And it was like, it was a grind, but it, I'm going to have to pull up the box score while I'm, while I'm talking, but, um, it, he, he, he had to grind to get those, those 22 points. Um, but he only took, he took 21 shots. He made nine, you know, it, it, and he, he only went to he has some shot selection things. So. Right, yeah. He has some shot selection things that he needs to figure out. He had eight turnovers in that game, but well, which isn't great. Yeah, and he's also young. He The turnover was a deal. But I was impressed that he did not, he doesn't seem, I think it's like I kind of mentioned, like the ego thing. Like he wasn't just like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to yeah. go get my shots. It doesn't It doesn't really matter. It, it was quiet. He ends up, you know, scoring some buckets down the stretch when they, they get everything going a little bit. But yeah, I was... I don't know. I, I was impressed with the way he handled both of those games. Um, the 42 is a career high and, and he was, mm-hmm. he was a monster. He is a freak in mm-hmm. transition. Like if you can get him the ball um, before half court and just kind of get him going downhill, he's really difficult to stop. Cause he's so big and agile. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty great. His, his moves to get to his, to like his, his, his pull up and his turnaround stuff is excellent. He uses his body so well. Like mm-hmm. he swings his he swings his butt, you know, and bumps people off, bumps defenders off their position really well. Carves out space, and he has like a very smooth jumper when it's you know fifteen, eight, seventeen feet and in. He still he doesn't quite have that same level of of agility and 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 body use when he's going all the way to the rim. He can absolutely get buckets at the rim, but he doesn't like. He doesn't seem to to really catch catch a body when he gets in that direction. He he's more likely to get bumped back to um, a spot. It's just not quite as clean when he's when you're talking about going all the way to the rim on those attacks. But that's something that that I think is still well within his reach of of getting a hold of. And I like him defensively, Tobin. I, yeah. I, I he's not a great defender by any means. I don't think he's, he's ever going to be like a though. an. He is. Yeah. He's very active. He uses he uses his body really well um, on defense there that way too. Like he gets you guards can drive against him. I notice in all three of those games, like he had a hard time as anyone would against Mitchell and, and Garland. If if they could bring him out and then like he has a hard time kind of turning his hips against drives and stuff. But out front, he does a very especially if you got the angle, but out front he does a pretty good job of it. I there's five out in his future and that that raises with this team like building this big lineup um, with with Franz with uh, with Anthony Black with um, Carter to some extent, but even Fultz is a big. It's clear that they're trying to they're doing the 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 John Hammond thing of trying to get as much size and length as they can. It changes the game for them if he's able to consistently maybe not be the. I'm not saying he's the the starter at center, but if you can kind of play him in that five role for long stretches of games that changes their future, yeah. I think. And I, you know, there's still, maybe that's not possible. I, I don't know, but you can see flashes of it um, in, in these three games. I I'll tell like. you what I like. I like Goga Bitadze. Same. Goga. He's, for, he's, he's playing 30 <laughs> minutes a night and he's not doing anything spectacular except kind of just locking down the middle. So Palo and Wagner mm-hmm. can do their thing. Mm-hmm. And like, 
I mean, eventually when they get their full team back, like it's it was kind of cool. Like I like get him some minutes, man. Like he he you know he didn't his worst game was the Pistons game, which is really weird. But you know, like mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. Like uh, let me take the back. No, it was the Cavaliers. It was the Cavaliers win game. But he I, he's doing a good job, like giving them solid minutes inside. And I, I just I it's it's very easy to say I like Paolo, you know, and that's but right, it's, right, right. Sure, I, sure. I really like what he was doing and it's and it's exactly what they need like which is good because you know they're missing some some key players inside and it's just like you need to have somebody that that Paolo yeah. can play off of and it's it seems well, to kind of work yeah. like for the 25 minutes he's in and, and credit totally credit to Mosley and that coaching staff too because Gogo was useless in Indiana he looked like like I, I it was shocking to me that he was like the 18th pick in the draft or whatever he was because he, he seemed like such a the way that Indiana used him, it made him seem like such a an 80s, 90s kind of player and so stiff yeah. and useless. He actually moved pretty well on defense. I have no idea why the Cavs didn't attack him in the pick and roll like every time he was. You got these two uber quick guards who are both really good at finishing. Like, why in the world would you not put him in the pick and roll every time? And that comes up in the playoffs, obviously. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I was... I was I was prepared to be like oh here comes freaking Goga uh, and but instead I was like man I really I really well he's and you have to wonder That's too like play. is Wendell Carter being out kind of giving him a chance to show that he's a, he's effective on this team and sure. you yeah. know maybe maybe sure. I don't know you might disagree with this maybe there's a world where Carter plays more four when Ben Carroll is out and you can leave Goga in as the five and not having to like rotate you know Ben Carroll in um and Wendell Wendell as much I don't know I just it, it gives you more more flexibility and able to do things and obviously and obviously less Mo Wagner which is good too so um I just think that there's a lot you can do with that if he's able to kind of be sure. effective so okay last thing and then we'll get out of here but like what do you what do you think is there two two kind of a two for question what's their top end and what can they do like what are they missing that they may need to adjust before the trade deadline, if there is a trade that trade to be made. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would rush to make a big move if I was them or even like a, um, a, a medium move, little move. Sure. Um, I think that the future is pretty dang bright yeah. here. So don't ruin it. I don't, yeah, don't, don't mess it up. Don't mess up the vibe, but also, you know, be opportunistic and, with the East being a little bit down this year, look, I don't think they're going to end up being the two seed, right? They dropped to the three seed tonight because by a half game because Milwaukee, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think Philly once once Maxine and Bead both are healthy, they'll they'll separate a little bit as well. So it kind of feels like they are playing for potentially to be the a home court advantage team, and I think that's a reasonable thing to be you know aspiring to, um, which is pretty surprising. I think their over under coming into the year was 38 games. They're going to blow that out uh, assuming health and whatnot. I wouldn't necessarily rush to make it happen, but I also wouldn't dawdle, you know, I, I would, I would see about maybe the move is just like, let's just play it out. Let's play it out this season and kind of see where we end up. But then this off season, they should be aggressive. Um, I don't know exactly what their, their financial situation is going to be, but they should, they should be going after, some some guys to help them out. Well, um, you're, you're right. Like, don't do anything crazy. Yeah. But counterpoint to that is if you are in the ch- if you have a chance to to fight for home feet home court, 
I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to dangle your tradable contracts like Gary Harris or Joe Ingles or Chumo mm-hmm. Okiki. Like there's there's definitely people out there on your bench that you like you could trade a player for a player. Like 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 obviously Gary Harris, Joe Ingles, and and Chuma can do good things, but if you can swap them for maybe someone who gives you a sh- you know a shooter, like yeah, like mm-hmm. like make those mm-hmm. make those margin moves. Like like I I still think even though he's been okay for their bench, I still think there's a Cole Anthony trade out there somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like do the save the big stuff for for the off season and because this is kind of like borrowed time at this point. Like you're 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 not you're not ready for your window, so don't blow up the next few years just to kind of rush your window. Yeah, that's the deal. Um, I Franz, I still like as a connector more than I like as as running the team. Um, I, I look, I I wasn't big on Franz coming into the draft, and then pretty quickly it was like, oh, okay, I see, I see what I was missing on this. Like he's he's a much better player than I than I was thinking he was. Um, the combination of him and Paolo it's in part because they don't have any shooters, like any shooting at all. Um, and it's in part because right now they're playing without a real point guard. Although when Fultz, even when he's healthy, I'm not totally, Gosh, I even forgot about that guy. It's hard to credit him as like a, 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 a point guard, the way we think of point guards. I, th- I still think of him as sort of a, a score first kind of guy, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on that. Regardless. Um, the there, there's this like they cut well, but they maybe don't do it enough. Um, at times, you know, I love cutting, and and sometimes it doesn't it doesn't seem like they were they were. Sometimes you just see great cuts, and sometimes you're like, come on, let's get this moving a little bit more. A lot of half court possessions feel grindy, and um and that can that's that's tough. It's tough to win playoff games like that. I I think even when your defense is is really good. Um, I think too that they could. This is something that um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Rasillo. I've credited Rasillo a lot this pod. Um, he's. I think it was him. He's talking recently about how he feels like every team passes up too many rim attempts um, to kick it out to for threes and stuff. And like we're not we're not putting enough pressure on the rim for like, hey, maybe I'm going to miss this or maybe I'm going to get fouled. Instead, we're kicking it out to to the three consistently. Most a lot of teams are doing this. I actually think the Magic could benefit from kicking it out just a little bit more. Franz and, and Paolo both, it's not that they don't have good vision. They do. I think Paolo's like at five assists a game and Franz is at four. They, they're they they're willing passers. It's not really even tunnel vision. It's just they get to like, I don't know how many times in these three games, I've, one of those two guys got to like somewhere between six and ten feet away from the basket and that turns into a contested shot. In some cases, a bad shot. I was at Franz's like um, floater mm-hmm. package. I've seen it. It's better than it was in these three games. We just just didn't see the opportunities for it very often. They they took they ended up taking a fair amount of con, of contested shots in a not quite close enough proximity to the rim. You know that I think, man, if we could get three to, three more times a game, five more times a game where that ball gets swung swung to the corner instead for a three, um, I think you're probably going to be in a position where you're, you're some, you're getting a couple back at bu- buckets a game 
that are a little bit easier than what you're you're turning them into right now. Something that would help there would be a shooter though. Yeah. So they don't, you know, that that's that's part of the deal. I really like Anthony Black's game in these three games, Tobin. Awful shot, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's not like good. depressingly yeah. bad. Um and you know, I I wrote in my notes that like with Anthony Black, it's like I it sucks that he's a guard because he's basically <laughs> he it'd be way more fun if he was um, a wing with guard skills than a guard with wing skills, you know, and he's it's like six, seven, but he doesn't really quite look big enough to be six. If he was six foot nine, gosh, he'd be or six foot ten. He'd be so cool in this field and maybe he'll figure it all out. But that shot is so rough, so rough. And so that's part of the deal. So I look, I I think they could do one of two things if they wanted to make a move. And let's say they did. I think you you could talk me into a a a more traditional point guard like a Mike Conley type of guy. The way that Mike Conley came in with the Wolves last year and sort of calmed them down and 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 centered it a little bit. Um, you could talk me into that a little bit. And and I think the other thing that they really definitely could use and something that they could probably get a hold of to them, a kind of a, a smaller or mid-sized move would be a an off-bench shooter. Somebody who can just come in and get buckets. Cole Anthony's doing a very good job of... I think Cole Anthony kind of won them the, the second Cavs game. He came in in the second and and totally changed that game with his aggressiveness going to the rim and stuff like that. But he doesn't shoot, and he's not... Um, you know, he's not an instinctual point guard either. So that combination... If they had a Tim Hardaway Jr. kind of guy, um, a, a Bogdanovich kind of player, somebody who can just come in and get on a heater from the outside, I, I think that that would elevate their chances of getting that home court spot, um, if not actually, you know, winning winning around this year. Yeah. Which by the way, would be the first series win since two thousand ten for them. Yeah, and that's so. and that's a successful season. So yeah. Hundred percent. This is already a successful sure. season, but to cause they are a shoe in for I mean again, barring injury, they are definitely a playoff yeah. team. Um that's a major success given where they were. But I, I I don't think that it is crazy at all to think they're going to end up with that. They could end yeah, up. Keep it going. Mosley, man, we're rooting for you. Keep it going. Mosley rules, man. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Cool. All right. This was a good time. Um, enjoy talking. It's, I, I like doing this. It, it is more work for us, which is tough. Um, during very busy season of, of, of the year, but like, um, I love this too. And I like being able to focus exclusively on one team and just, kind of see what they're doing. I feel like you get a lot better feel for, for the way that the team works or doesn't work, what the coaching staff does. I, you know, there's a lot of bad announcer color guy commentators. You there's know, something cathartic about league, watching but, teams and not, and not caring about it too. Like, <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Like, Oh, that was like stupid. Um, oh, I'm glad it doesn't affect me. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not going to raise my blood pressure at all. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good times. Uh, so we enjoyed doing that this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've got, I believe, three games on their schedule between now and our next recording day. And we'll be joined by our friend Ryan Woods of uh, the Daily Thunder podcast to talk uh, all about the team that, by the way, right now is the two seed in the Western Conference. So it'll be a fun it'll be a fun t- chat. So if you've got League Pass, watch some Thunder game and you'll be able to uh, to dive into that with us just a little bit. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. Helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. 
Leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We'd like to read those out at the end of the show. Like I said, next week we'll be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Get on that league pass. Watch those games with us. It's a fun team. It'll be a good talk. Uh, but until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.